Welcome to the Faces Podcast. We're a Christian and Muslim charity working to build resilience in faith communities against child sexual exploitation and other forms of harm. We'll be talking about what faith and interfaith work means to us and how we embed an inclusive and authentic approach throughout our work. Hello, welcome to this week's podcast. I'm joined by Nigel, another member of Staff at Faces, and Ruth, who's joining us from Azalea, and I'm going to let her introduce herself and a little bit about the charity as well. Okay. Hi, I'm Ruth. I'm CEO and co-founder of Azalea, which is a local Christian charity which reaches out to all affected by sex trafficking. And we also work around the world from a point of view of grassroots in Luton. Brilliant. Thank you, uh, Ruth. Um, So I suppose one of the questions would be good to start with is how did Azalea begin to get involved in FACES and how did Azalea fit within the kind of wider partnership that FACES is? Yeah, so so many years ago, um, we we know very much that there's a clear correlation in between child sexual abuse and child sexual exploitation. All of our women, all of our survivors of che- sex trafficking, um, have been survivors of CSE and CSA. So that's a hundred percent. And we knew some horrendous horrendous cases that had gone on in Luton, um, we were irate because there was a narrative that was coming forward that the, 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 the people that were involved in hurting and damaging these children were Muslim and the victim, the survivors were always white. And we know through evidence, through hard facts, this is not the truth, um, but yet it was there was a potential for this to hit the media um, and it's wrong, it's untrue. And so because of that, I I was absolutely so clear that in Luton, we needed to tell the truth about what's actually going on with CSE and CSA. So that's how I became involved in FACES and how I, how I was desperate to get hold of all that were involved and to tell the truth about CSE and CSA. Thank you, Ruth. And that's one thing we... We continue to say, you know, that the what's most damaging when we only have one kind of idea of what a victim looks like or one idea of what a perpetrator looks like is that we miss everyone else. We miss the other areas where abuse is happening and we miss supporting the other survivors who have um, gone through abuse. I have to say it's incredibly important that we look at the macro picture and mm. we look at the and we look at the facts and so many of our women have such different narratives than what the media put out and this is evidence based it's absolutely evidence based and it's really important that, that we are truth lovers um and that we use our faith to propel that moral compass yeah i I, th- I think that's an incredible statistic of yours to say that um cse and csa have a lot of the people that you're dealing with in the in the sex industry in in a way is is linked there's a linkage between the two and i'm guessing um the helping um the victims of cse and csa is key to making sure they don't end up somewhere else um later on and also the trafficking side of things are there things around that you'd like to bring in Ruth Mm, mm, mm. it's it's so vital that we grasp that all of our women have been victim survivors of CSE and CSA so what that trauma does it locks them into that age group and it it locks them into that response to everyday trauma so Mm. in theory we 
are having relationships. We support and care for women um, who are over 18. In practice, their emotional response bank is between, on the whole, between 5 and 13 because of those those sexual traumas that they've endured. Um, and that is very, very important to grasp. And another essential truth is that out of that, they have the capacity to build multiple personalities to survive, um, which is incredibly sad um, within that trauma. So often they will have four or five different names that they conduct themselves in when they're involved in sex trafficking. Mm, that's really important information, Ruth. Thank you for, for telling us that. Um, and just for everyone listening as well, I think it might be worth if we explain a bit what we mean by sex trafficking. Um, I think for a lot of people, that might mean kind of, you know, people coming from one country mm. to another or mm. moving a sort of long mm. distance. Mm. Um, so maybe if you could speak to that a little bit about what we mean by sex trafficking. Yeah, so, so sex trafficking is is something, an activity that can go on locally, it can go on nationally, and it can go on internationally. And that isn't always grasped. You can have someone who is sex trafficking, sex trafficked from North Luton to South Luton, mm. and that's still the 100% definition from the UN. Um, also within that framework as well, most of our women are fourth and fifth generation involved in sex trafficking. Wow. Um, it, it's become a normal pattern of existence for them. Um, every week, every drop-in session we have in Azalea, so, so a drop-in session is when a woman can come into the drop-in and just announce her presence. She doesn't need to have an appointment and she will re receive support. We have an international that comes through the, the mm. massive change that's happened within sex trafficking within modern day slavery is that we used to have um, clear walls of areas. So you'd have the indoor activity, the outdoor, the on street, and then you'd have the internationals. But due to social media, those walls have merged. So mm. all, of our, all of our women uh, have sites on websites. They all have sites uh, within phones, within groomers. Uh, and it's very sophisticated. And one would never perhaps put that sophistication with some of our fourth and fifth generation women who are involved in sex trafficking. Um, it's, it's an incredibly lucrative business. So the UN have, have put out a figure that says that, is it 50.2 billion pounds are made in profit a year in sex trafficking wow. why why it's such an incredible business is because women can be used and reused and reused where drugs can only be used once and that's why it is such a lucrative business so for every 10 involved in sex trafficking two are children and five are women so all wow. of our women involved in sex trafficking no children involved in child sexual exploitation mm. it's very very interconnected and western society in particular is guilty of compartmentalizing support in that area and not putting the dots together concerning sex trafficking yeah um just we were we've been discussing refugees the last couple of times 
and and asylum seekers and we realize there's a lot of the people who are seeking asylum in the area around mm. who who don't have much money and have a lot of time on their hands and i'm sort of thinking of some of the vulnerabilities in that um is there anything you want to say into vulnerability because one of the things the home office has been saying is mm. oh it's okay most of them aren't women but some of them most of them are blokes but actually they're just as vulnerable and i just mm. wondered are there things you've you, you've got eyes on that that would be helpful for listeners to hear from yeah yeah no, no absolutely Absolutely. So one of the huge concerns just now on some of the boards I'm on with the Home Office is that we have a lot of groomers who are inf- who are pretending or sabotaging that they are um, asylum seekers themselves and they are intentionally planted there to groom. Um, and there's, there's a lot of evidence about that. But yet again, there, there isn't resources to be able to tackle this. Um, and child sexual exploitation is flourishing in these environments. Uh, it's very tactical. It is hugely intentional. Um, and, and we need to expose this more and more. And it's one of my biggest concerns, particularly what's going on down in Dover. Mm-hmm. Sorry, when you, just for clarity, when you say um, groomers pre- pretending to be asylum seekers and planting themselves there, what do you mean? Well, planting themselves where sort of in the communities where a lot of asylum seekers are or or something else yeah absolutely so they they come across on boats as well and they look as if they are fleeing themselves from persecution uh but actually it's very intentional that they are where they are for that time and for that season um and it's very strategic and it's incredibly well networked and organized i think it's a a really stark reminder you know just as we say when we're talking about different industries whether it's religious institutions educational institutions that abusers will exist wherever there are vulnerable people Mm. to be exploited Mm. or to Mm. be abused Mm. Um, and asylum seeking groups are are no different in that respect but also Mm. not uh, I think you'd agree not to be seen as uh, an extra threat uh, just as we wouldn't kind of make the assumptions uh, for mosques or churches or schools in the same regard. We know that abuse can happen there. We know that abusers will be where vulnerable people are. Um, mm. But on the whole, you know, we are a reflective of the society as a whole in those groups as well. Yeah. Um, I just uh, looked at your website uh, the other day. And one of the things on your website was, this is how you spot sex uh, trafficking and things happening in your neighborhood. Mm. And I think for most of us, we don't notice these things. We haven't got eyes on. And the same day I looked at that, one of the things on your website said a, a woman talking very bra- loud and very confidently. And some of the, and I'm thinking that that sounds, and that same day in my town here, I went to pick up my daughter one evening and there was a youngish girl walking down the middle of the street, talking mm. to a guy in a car, very loudly, very confidently, exactly how you describes it describes on the Azalea website. Mm. And 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 actually, I saw it right in front of me, and she hopped in the car with him. And I thought, this is right around us, and mm. we're so blind to it. Mm. Um, mm. Is that a, a focus of Azalea to bring uh, help, help people see that or become aware of it and help the survivors and victims of, of this? 
Yeah, thank you so much for raising that, Nigel. It's it's a huge aspect of Azalea to help to help local communities to have solutions and to and to create an environment where they're intolerant towards what's going on in their neighbourhood and that they care and they know what to do. Human beings have an extraordinary capacity to care for one another and it's very stressful to see what you saw and to be deemed helpless. So that's why we have the toolkit to enable communities to say, actually, uh, you can be part of the solution for this. And it is about local problems and local solutions. And I cannot emphasize the importance of a local resident in seeing what they see and knowing that they can touch on the solutions themselves. Uh, and that's exactly what LAST is about. Um, and that's what, that's what we are seeing all over the country with our toolkit and, and multiplying its impact around the country. Thank you, Ruth. Um, just wanted to talk a bit about, you know, you mentioned that Azalea is a Christian charity and what mm. that means in terms of your approach to um, supporting victims, survivors of abuse yeah. and, and of sex trafficking and, and what that means kind of for you uh, personally as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for raising that because we have a massive problem with using the word Christian. So many of our, and I mean that, so many of our women have had uh, exploiters sex buyers who are Christians, who are ministers, and have such a, a wrong sense of what the Christian faith is about. Uh, so we explain that immediately, not from a Christian perspective, actually. We, we do that. I'm a, a social worker by profession, and I love to explain exactly what a Christian is um, so they've got a clear understanding because we've had appalling representation um so i will explain to to a woman perhaps the first time i see her she'll have a cake cakes are quite useful because they're nice and when you're eating a cake you can't talk can you so they're quite useful so um so here's one of the cakes and the cakes are made by people in the local community and that's another tool um of communication of education because they've had abhorrent evils happen to them by strangers so it's so nice to receive to receive an act of kindness from a stranger in the community. And that's also equally important. So I will explain what a Christian is and I will say, hi, I'm Ruth. I'm a Christian. And what a Christian means is that God loves you unconditionally. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you anymore. And there's nothing that you can do to make God love you any less at all. There is nothing. He loves you unconditionally and you and I are the same but equally you and I both know that when you were four years old when you were playing with your dolls this wasn't your intention this wasn't what you wanted to be and to do and God gives you an invitation to receive his forgiveness to receive his grace and Azalea is here to really help you to see the unconditional support that we can give you do not need to be a Christian to come into Azalea but we need you to know what you are because often you've been groomed, you've landed up in sex trafficking, you've been tied up to a radiator naked and given dog food and kicked in the stomach and other organs. But that relationship began with nice cars, with nice clothes and with nice treats. We're not like that. We need you to know exactly who we are and to be really clear because we don't want you to suddenly think we're somebody that we're not. 
Uh, and that's why that clarification goes on. As you can imagine in Azalea, we do safeguarding morning, noon and night. And that is part of that narrative that we introduce exactly who we are and exactly who we're not. And as a Christian faith movement, we have a real vulnerability of supporting people, but having it as a sort of carrot of faith that, you know, they have to do Mm. certain things to be helped. And that's incredibly important that we constantly, and I mean constantly, say to the women, you don't have to be, have any faith whatsoever. And you can also have a different faith. We're not here to judge you in that capacity, but we are here to express uh, the unconditional love of God. And that is what motivates us to be here. So it's not about, I use the term a lot, Christian pimping. And it's really important that the women hear over and over again. And what I mentioned before about trauma is incredibly important with people's ability to hear and to listen. So often we ask the women, and what did I say? And we just want to make sure they actually heard Mm. that they they do not need to access any form of faith to be supported by Azalea. And that is, they they are so vulnerable to being exploited. And it's so important that we are are manipulative in that. Um, So I'm very passionate about that myself. I think it's because I'm a social worker and I understand a little bit the vulnerability of working with with extraordinarily traumatised women. Yeah, I think what you said about, um, you know, that although your work is very much faith led and um, you're very mm. much open about your own sort of Christian belief and what that means mm. for other people as well. But that the work is uh, the support is still open, <clears throat> excuse me, to everyone. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, as as personal faith and as faces as a faith sort of based charity, you know, we're very clear about that, that actually what we believe is that our the benefits uh, that faith can give that the benefits that faith speaks into in terms of safeguarding and strengthening people's environment so that they can be better safeguarded better protected is universal regardless of um your faith or or having no faith and those benefits are still there and Mm -hmm. i hope we, we say that clearly it has to be said over and over again because of that lack of listening capacity nigel yeah, I was, I was going to say, it's fantastic to see how faith fires enthusiasm to help people in in, in situations and to help uh, find ways out of those situations. I think, you know, Ruth, you're a real, yeah, it shines out. <laughs> I, I think there's some real examples of how faith motivates mm. uh, in this, and I think that's very powerful. And even challenges where it's not been well expressed, I think that's great. Thank you, Nigel. And thank you, Ruth. It's been really good to to hear about Azalea and to hear about your sort of perspective on a lot of the things that we've discussed. And hopefully we'll talk again soon. Yeah, that is brilliant. And I absolutely love being part of Faces. And it's wonderful to have that commonality of faith being our engine room. It really is. Yeah, thank you.